0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message.
1: Hey, man. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning. Welcome to Fierce Church. How y'all doing today? Good. Good. Thank you, Andrew. Hey, y'all. So... I'm Erica, if we haven't met, and I am a teacher's aide in a third grade classroom of about 24 kiddos. And if you know anything about little kiddos, you know that they are lovely and adorable and they make me laugh all the time. And oh my goodness, if there is ever a picture of humanity at its best slash worst, It's in a classroom of 24 eight-year-olds, okay, because here's the thing, they love each other so very much, and then, oh my goodness, we are not friends at all, and I hate you. Like, it's the the gamut that happens in the community of a third-grade classroom where these kids, these kids specifically at the school that I'm at, these kids have been together since being like three or four years old. So they have done life together. They are this beautiful little family of fun within this little classroom. And one of the things that I love about this, so it's at a Christian school and every year in third grade, they memorize the entire Psalm 139 and it is so cool. These kids are now, they add like a verse or two every week. They're now at um, verse 16. And it's awesome. And we were sitting down, and we were talking about Psalm 139 again just this past week. And at the very end of Psalm 139, it's a Psalm of David. And he starts talking, and he's like, God, I hate those who hate you and those who do evil. So I paused with the kids and I said, are we supposed to say I hate you? And they're like, no, Mrs. Adkins. And then I said, but if you were honest, do you ever have hatred in your heart? And they went, Yep, (laughs) like every last one of them, hand straight up. Yes, I totally have hatred in my heart. I'm not really the perfect person about like loving well all the time because hey, what's true? Adults in here, um, we're not perfect and we get on each other's nerves, right? Like, and so if we were all being honest, we would probably, I believe, all raise our hand and at some point go, "Um, maybe I wouldn't use the word hate, but I really dislike that person (laughs) right now. And then the very next verse, though, David says, but God, search me and know me. Try my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I was asking the kids, so, okay, David, it's, it's right to actually hate evil. That's actually right. It's not right to hate each other. But how quickly are we to examine our own hearts like David and say, God, where's any, way, any wicked way in me? And Two of them raised their hand, and one of the two went, uh, kind of. And that's so true of us too, right? Like, it is so much easier to see the speck in someone else's eye versus the plank in our own, right? That's what the Bible says. It's like a speck and a plank. Somebody else's sin, that's this little tiny thing. But it's really easy for us to see the big thing in our own, or it's not as easy for us to see the giant sin in our own life. And when we're in community, guys, this rubs up against each other much more um, frequently, doesn't it? We, we see the ways that we, there's friction between us and there's a better way for community. I think as adults, we're, we're really not much different than third graders. We have fleshy responses. Maybe we've just learned to, you know, tap into the self-control that the Holy Spirit gives us and we, you know, hold it in a little bit more. Or maybe we don't tap into the self-control and we're blaring on our horn and the, as we're driving down the highway. How? Oh, get out of my way! You know, And we're, we're quick to be angry. And there's a tension here, right? Because at our very best, we're never going to love perfectly, right? Oh, I mean, this side of heaven, we're never going to love perfectly. The only person who could perfectly love is God And he does love us perfectly. But here's the thing. He wants us to love like him. We have three choices. We're all lumped together in this world. We could love like Jesus does. We could be indifferent and kind of go along our own way. Or we could be like the wicked in Psalm 139 and just, ah, you're dead to me. And I'm just going to do and I'm going to be wicked and have evil intent and misuse God's name. But y'all, we as we've been in this series, strangers here, we're finding that there is a different way that God is calling his people, Christians, people who have chosen to have Jesus as the leader of their life and the forgiver of their sins. Peter's saying, listen, there's a higher calling for you. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be loving like God loves, not loving like the world does. And you know, in our world, though, there's kind of this Dog-eat-dog world, we've got to keep up with the Joneses, we're out for number one, you do you, hey, I'm going to work to build my own empire. But the kingdom of God, guys, it is completely set apart. It should be set apart. It should look vastly different from that, shouldn't it? It's watching out for each other, it's being patient, it's being compassionate, Jesus in John 13, 35 says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Are you loving one another? Because that's how people are gonna know if you love Jesus. Peter's outlining a whole better way for us all together. And over over the last few months, we've been in this book of 1 Peter, and I don't know if you remember, but first he starts talking Um, in relationships, he starts talking about how a citizen should relate to their government leaders and how they should honor their government leaders. As a servant, how we should relate to our masters or as an employee versus our boss. Wives, how to relate to their unbelieving husbands. Husbands, how to lay yourself down for your wife and how to wisely and considerately take care of her. And then he starts to call out believers and he says, finally, all of you, all of us, all of you who are in this room, who call Jesus the leader of your life and forgiver forgive your sins, he's like, here, I have something just for you. And I don't know if you noticed it as I was talking about those, but as the relationships progress, so does kind of the intimacy. You know, it's us with our government leaders, like maybe you might get to meet your state rep, but you're almost definitely not going to meet the president. Maybe some of you have that authority. I certainly don't. I'm never gonna meet, like they're far away. I'm never gonna meet them. And then a servant with a master. I mean, you have a relationship with your boss, right? Husband and wife. I mean, yeah, that's really, really close. God says that the two become one. That's awesome. But I think what's really cool as I was looking at this, I was seeing that the body of Christ, we are all individual parts, but we are actually one thing. And Peter's pointing out, like, we need to look like One big thing, unified, moving forward in what God has for us. The body has many parts. Now, in your own body, would you just like cut off your arm if it wasn't functioning the way that you wanted it to function? No, or would you like gash your leg if it were in pain? No, and just like our physical body, we need to be considering the spiritual body of Christ and how to interact with it well. When we're not careful, we actually wound each other. We cause each other pain. Sometimes in tension, we cut each other off like an arm. But Peter's saying, no, listen, how we treat each other, it matters a very great deal. You and I are all image bearers of Christ, and there is a world watching how we interact with each other and how we interact with the world. And Peter's going to outline for us a better way. So let's jump in today. We are in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses eight and nine. He says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Okay, I totally stole this. So, Ellie, would you put up the very next slide of verse mapping? I stole this from John Piper, who, by the way, if you open up your app, in the verse notes is a link to watch this nine-minute video, which is really so cool and so powerful. But these are the verses that we just read, but they're drawn out in a little bit different way, and he separates these into individual lines, and he's trying to connect them, and why does this, how does this verse connect with this one, and how does this verse connect with that one, and how is okay, and as, like, you take it all apart, which is so, so cool, and it's mind-boggling. If you're, like, an English person, and you love to take apart things, like, this is so awesome. You need to watch the video, okay? That's my nerdiness coming out to you. Okay, now, next slide. So, as we take this apart, we begin to see Ellie, would you go to the next one? Sorry, love. Who are who in this verse? Peter's talking to Christians specifically. He's saying, finally, all of you, all of you Christians, all of you people in the church, listen, this is what I want you to know. What? Your main point is to bless, is to be a blessing. As as you go forth, you should be bringing a blessing. You should be blessing everyone as you go. How? we're going to look into these five internal traits, these virtues that we get from being close to Christ as we demonstrate them to the world. Why? Because God called you to do this. He called you to be different. He called you to stand out. And when we do this, what's the purpose? What for? Hey, y'all, we get to receive a blessing. Who wants a blessing? I want a blessing, there are not enough hands up in here. Come on, who wants a blessing? Like, I want a blessing, I want some blessing. Like, I want the presence of God in my life. I want him to transform who I am. And as I walk forward, being an image bearer of Christ, I want to bless those around him, or around me, and I want to receive that blessing too. I want to see a life transformed by God. And it is awesome. This is our calling, to bless others. That's what we're made for. To glorify God and to be with Him forever and to bless those around us now. And y'all, if we don't keep this idea of blessing others on the forefront of our minds, we'll go backwards in maturity and we will make it all about us and we will behave just like those third graders who are mad at one person and then loving the other person at the next moment. We need to slow down and remember this is what God has called us to. We are in community. How are we going to respond to it? We are not just one piece. We are in a bigger piece, the body of Christ. Are we going to respond to those around us like evil for evil or reviling for reviling? No, God is calling us to step it up. Respond with a blessing. So how do we bless others? Here we go. We are going to jump in 1 Peter 3, 8. Again, let's take it apart. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, Brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind or a humble, humble in spirit is another translation. So number one, strangers here, if we're going to be different, if we're going to stick out to the world around us, we need to have unity of mind. Unity of mind. This is like harmonious. We're all working together. We're going for the, the thing all together. Now, does this mean that we all think exactly alike? No, and praise the Lord, because if we all thought exactly alike, this world would be very, very bland, wouldn't it? Praise God. I'm glad that not everybody is a pinky finger and not everybody is a kneecap. Like we all have different purposes in our body, right? And we all work together as one big thing. I think of an orchestra. Have you ever seen an orchestra play? And they're all reading the same sheet music. Almost all of them are playing different notes. I mean, maybe maybe all the violins are playing the same note and going at the same time, um, but they're all playing different things that are harmonious together. They work together, and what are they doing? They're looking at the sheet music, but they're looking at the conductor. They're looking at the conductor, he's leading them, and they're all thinking this beautiful piece of music and how it all weaves together, and they're going down the same end goal. They're watching the conductor, following his leading, watching for his timing, and doing what they've been called to do with their part. Romans twelve sixteen says, live in harmony with one another. Philippians 2, 2 says, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Man, there was a lot of like one and unity and maintaining all one thing. Guys, as Christians specifically, we should be all working together and be unified I know that it is hard sometimes, y'all. We have some sandpaper people in our life, bless the Lord, and those people hone the things off of us that are not good, but it's hard to live in unity. How many would have attest, it is hard to live in unity? Y'all, we get on each other's nerves. Listen, but we have a great high priest. We have an awesome king who, if we keep our eyes on him as our conductor, we can trust He will work out the thing in them and he will work out the thing in us that is getting rubbed the wrong way with our friend. We need to be unified in mind. It is not uniformity of thought, it's a common disposition, an intent on one purpose. We're pretty much guaranteed to disagree with other Christians, right? I mean, it's just gonna happen. We've all had it happen, it's going to continue to happen. But Here's what I'm going to challenge you with. Let's release the need to be right. That's hard. Let's release the need to be right. And let's release the need to convince them that they're wrong. Because the conductor will work that out. We all are following the same conductor. Let's trust him to work on everybody's heart, including our own, so that we can do the end goal, blessing the world around us, blessing each other, and seeking God's face. All right, number two, Sympathy, sympathy. He calls us to sympathy. Now I think of this, that that Greek word actually, um, it means feeling with one another, mutually commiserative. Um, when this word comes to mind, I think of Mackenzie Carter. I think the minute I tell Mackenzie anything and she literally just did it, her face changes. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Or if I tell her something really good, she's like, oh my God, Like, she mutually is in it with me. She comes into whatever emotion I'm having, and she's like, here, let's do it together, whether it's beautiful and exciting or whether it's really, really sad. She is mutually commiserative. And guys, that's what God is calling us to. That is not everybody's first nature, right? Like, not all of us feel in that same amount, but God is calling us To have sympathy to, the NIV text note in my Bible says, identifying with each other's joys and sorrows, it's a Christian's privilege and responsibility. It's our responsibility to feel with each other. When we feel with each other, what does it do, guys? It binds us together. We can go forward in more power and in more strength. We hold each other up. We walk with each other through something. And as we're doing that, guys, it shows the world around us. We're not alone. We're not alone. There's other people watching our back. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It's both and. First Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one part suffers... Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, the other parts rejoice with it. Guys, we are all one big family. We're one big body of Christ. There's different imagery as I go through each one of these things. The last one, unity of mind. I think of my mind with sympathy. I think of my shoulders, like heaving up and down, whether I'm in sorrow or I'm in rejoicing, right? Okay. We are one part of the body of Christ, when your back hurts, it's all you can think about, right? Okay, you hit 30 and your back just starts hurting. It's just part of life. Okay, but it's all you can think about. But when we share that with someone else, we take some of their pain and we walk through it with them. And it's a beautiful, transformative thing. Even if you're calling, or your natural disposition isn't hospitality or taking care of someone, we are all still called. Remember, this is a calling. We are called to bless through sympathy. So application, can I give you a challenge? When you find someone who is either rejoicing or having a really hard time, here's some tips, some pro tips. First of all, validate the hard thing. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah, that is hard. I cannot imagine. Yeah, wow and then ask them what else cuz you know that there's something deeper than what they're even telling you what else then if they're comfortable with physical affection y'all give it hey can i rub your back can i put my hand on your shoulder y'all Yo, we do not touch each other enough and i mean that in like a beautiful sanctified glorious way we need to hug each other like there is something healing in an embrace Come on, y'all know it. There is something healing in an embrace. And when someone's going through a hard thing or a beautiful thing, we need to rejoice with them. So hey, if you are not a toucher, high five, fist bump, whatever. But if you can receive it, man, there's just something about even a hand on a shoulder that will change somebody's day. And then you tell them, hey, I'm here and I'll listen. Maybe you help fix it a little bit, but really you're just there to Listen. Sympathy isn't fixing necessarily, it's just being there. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Pastor Brandon. All right, um, now let's move on, okay? Because I want to keep chugging, chugging along here. Brotherly love is the next thing that Peter calls us to. Now, brotherly love, um, you know, if you have young kids Sometimes brotherly love looks like punching and fighting and bickering. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about when an entire family unit looks out for each other and wants to bless each other and is for each other and is working together to have each other's backs. That's brotherly love. I want to put a picture of my mom's family up here. My mom was one of nine. She's the one Um, In the very back, second from the right, that's my mom, Denise, who's in heaven. Now, who also is in heaven, and not in that picture is my Uncle Scott, who died when I was only two years old. Um, When I think of brotherly love, man, I think of the Lemke kids. They all are dispersed all throughout the country. But if anybody's going through anything, they are on each other's team. When my mom, when my sister died, my Uncle Peter who's got the red Solo cup. Almost never, didn't have one of those. Okay, Um, he was on my mom's side. He bought her this special necklace. He was in the middle of it with her. My Uncle Barry, the bald one's uh, (laughs) second from the left. Um, Man, if you just needed a hug, there was nothing like my Uncle Barry's hugs. He was in it with you. He's also in heaven now. My Aunt Ricky in kind of the orange's coat, um, She moved at 18. She like left the area, went all the way to Washington, and she was so intentional with everybody, writing them letters, pointing things out that they are good at, that God is doing in their lives. Now, not all of my aunts and uncles believe in the Lord, but I believe they demonstrated brotherly love. They demonstrated this very thing that God intends for you and I to demonstrate, to be on each other's team, to watch out for each other, to make sure we've got what we need to be in life together. I think of the high school musical, we're all in this together. All right, I'm done. Okay, so um, (laughs) let's take a look. Romans 12, 10 says... Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. What does it say? Be devoted. This takes devotion. This takes intentionality. This takes setting aside probably some of your own life and being devoted, being intentional. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. In Romans 8, Paul explains to us that if we put our faith in Jesus, that we're actually sons of God. And if we're sons, then we're also God's children. We're part of his family. As a part of the family of God, y'all, we are called to help each other out. We are called to watch out for each other. When you see a friend who's making some, you know, maybe some foolish decisions, you go, hey, friend, I love you. That looks like folly. <laughs> like, hey, how can, I, can, I, can I get into this with you? Because I, I'm a little bit worried about you. We protect each other. When things are hard, we hold each other up. Like the original church, or not the original church, but the early church in Acts after Jesus died and was resurrected. It says like they gave everything to one another. They were for each other. They were watching out. So my question to you is, how are you doing with this? with brotherly love? Are you watching out for other people? We have this really awesome thing called the meal train. When someone is sick or they're just going through some hard stuff, um, Katie Yee is manning down the fort and helping us do the meal train thing where as our church we can sign up to bring a meal to someone in need. Have you considered doing that? What about going out, it's snowed today and yesterday, and praise the Lord, hopefully we will not have much more snow from here. But what about shoveling someone's driveway? Like little simple tasks. What is something that you can do to watch out for your family, for your brothers here within the church? We've been on the receiving end so much. And can I just tell you, it shows me again and again, sometimes our church family is so much closer than our blood family. And I am so blessed. Y'all, I am so blessed to be a part of this church. You guys are my family. And it is beautiful to see how we work together and hold each other up as brothers. So, can I challenge you? If maybe you don't have a very great blood family, or maybe, hey, you're, maybe this is like your first time coming to church, and you're like, lady, this is a lot of hard stuff. I'm just like checking this out. I don't know about me. Um, Take a next step. Try and get plugged in. I will tell you when you join a serve team or when you come to a connect class or when you get at the grove, like you begin to actually become family. You take those steps of getting closer and closer with the people around you. And as you do that, I believe, like, there's just better life that happens. We actually see the best you is in community. When we are with each other, we have the support of each other. We have the accountability of each other. And we have the rejoicing and the, I'm on your side with each other. There's such a beautiful family here, and family meet, meets needs. I will tell you, with this, though, it takes time, right, to have relationships with people, there's people who are here at this church that I've had 20 years of relationship with each other, with them. Um, am I probably going to be closer with them naturally than someone who just started coming to church? Yes. So it takes time to get to feel a part of being a family. Now, for those of you who have been here for a really long time, can I nudge you, maybe not so gently, and encourage you to say hi to someone else who you don't already know? to reach out to make everybody feel part of the family. They may not feel as intimate as you and the lady who you've been friends with for 20 years and you've taken care of their kids together, but make them feel part of the family. Let's be an intimate, tight family. Brothers looking out for each other. Okay, let's keep going. A tender heart, a tender heart. This looks like good affection, Tender mercy. It's not actually a word about conduct at all, but it's about your insides. The actual Greek word, this is so strange, it means to have healthy bowels. (laughs) Because the Greeks thought, right, and it's so bizarre, the Greeks thought that all of your emotion was, you know, here, okay? So what this is truly, when I think of tenderness... I think of Pastor Greg Wiggins at Living Waters right across the street, who I grew up with. After, at the beginning of service, we would often have um, uh, prayer requests read over, like people could send in prayer requests earlier, and on Sunday morning they would read them so we would all know like, how to pray for each other throughout the week. It was beautiful. But Pastor Greg, as he would read those, he would sometimes begin to weep with the hard things people were going through. Now, not all of us are weepers, okay? And I I know that, and that's okay. But this tenderness, it's, it's an allowing of yourself to be moved by the things that other people are going through. And to be moved, to listen carefully for the Holy Spirit, to move with him when he says, go talk to that person. It's a Stillness and a peace and a willingness to lean in to whatever God has called you to do next. I think sometimes it's easy to think in the opposite. So instead of tenderness, the opposite would maybe be hard-heartedness. It would maybe be jaded, pessimistic, predisposed to suspicion, rigid, cold, stubborn. How many of you are stubborn? I'm stubborn. Yep. But here's, this is so beautiful. Proverbs 28 14 says, A tender hearted person lives a blessed life. Oh man, there's that word again, blessed. And a hard hearted person lives a hard life. Y'all, if we are hard on the inside, if we are not willing to be moved, like, you're gonna be stuck. If you're not willing to be moved, you're stuck. Like, that's how that works, right? But if we are tender-hearted, if we are watching out for each other, if we are willing to be moved, if we are willing to listen and see what other people are going through, man, the Lord can use that, can't he? So, application. Man, if you're feeling like you've got a hard heart, ask God to change it. Like that's actually the most beautiful prayer that you can make. Like God, take my heart of flesh or take my heart of stone and exchange it for a heart of flesh. That's what they prayed in Ezekiel 36, 26. And God makes this promise. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Um, The verses that Carla was reading at the very beginning, remember, it was like nations are raging and everything is hard. And I don't know if you feel like this too, but I look around and sometimes it is really easy to get hard hearted. It's really easy to get suspicious. It's really easy to kind of be part of the conspiracy club these days. It's really easy to get honked off and frustrated at the things that are happening around us. But God is asking us to be different. He's asking us to be tender-hearted, to lean into him, to watch what he is doing, to be soft, to be easily removed to keep our gut from shutting down and stopping what God wants to do to keep our elasticity. So, are you following what God's doing? Are you looking and being tender to what he's leading you? Number five. Ready? Fine, we're almost there, guys. Hang on in. Is it, is it, is it working today? Am I You following along? Okay, here we go. Last one. We need to have a humble spirit, a humble spirit. In the verse it says humble mind, but this really actually in some other translations says humble in spirit. And it is this very, very long Greek word that I was trying to be really cool and pronounce for you. I was not going to get it. It was not coming. But what it really means is it means a low, we're low of degree. It means a humble understanding of who we are. Having a humble opinion of oneself means modesty, humility, lowness of mind. It's pulling yourself down and recognizing, hey, actually, I'm just one small thing of a much bigger thing. I think sometimes when we think of humble, we think the opposite of haughty or prideful, and that is true. But I think in this case, Peter's calling us not just to not be prideful, but to like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm just one part of a much bigger thing that God is doing. Because it's really, really easy, y'all. I am so, so guilty of this. I don't think of myself as prideful, perhaps, but I do think only about myself a lot, Y'all, as a mom of four and working and being a pastor's wife and all the different things, like I am running through my checklist and what I have to do tomorrow and what I have to do in a month and what am I making for dinner tonight and what groceries do I need to get and oh my goodness, and I have to go here and I have to go there and I have. And if you're like me, what is all of what I'm thinking about? Me and what I have to do. And you know, some of it's laudable because I'm taking care of my family and I'm making them food and getting them. But no, truly, I'm just thinking about me and all the things that affect me and how life is going to hurt me and what I'm tired of and that I just need some sleep, right? But here's the thing. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, "'Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, "'but in humility count others more significant "'than in yourselves.'" Oh man, I have a hard time with that. I I love other people and I do think about them, but my mind is often racing with me. And Peter's saying, get your mind off you. I promise the Lord will put everything together if you stop looking at you and start looking at me. God. Peter's reminding us, We need to have the mind of Christ to be humble, not always thinking about self, but be a servant coming in last, remaining humble. Philippians 2, 2, five through nine actually says um, that Jesus, who was in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but no, he took on the image of a human, the human likeness, and he made himself a servant, emptying himself obedient to death, even death on a cross. Man, Jesus, who like had control over everything. He was God's son, his very other person. Even he wasn't thinking about himself every moment. He was thinking about the people around him. And if anybody was more a picture of a blessing, I don't know who, it's Jesus. He walked perfectly in his calling, to bless. Community, being among each other, requires humility, doesn't it? All of those other traits really require humility, because if we're honest, if we are trying to be humble, but we're thinking about ourselves, we've actually taken ourselves out of community. We're only thinking about me. You and I are called to be in the community of the body of Christ. You and I were called to be a blessing. So what could it look like if we really walked in these virtues? Man, again, I think back to the early church of Acts and I think of how they provided for each other. Everything was everybody's. They sat down and they broke bread together. They were in it together. It was beautiful. What could it look like, church, if we behaved like that again? If we embraced these virtues? Could you imagine how loving and loved we would all feel. There's something beautiful about when a family is working with each other and on each other's team, having sympathy with one another, unified in their common purpose. So let's take some personal stock right now. Here's some questions I want you to ask. When I look at my life, can I say that I'm actually being a blessing to others? Like really when I slow down and think about it, Would others say that I'm a blessing to them? And I'm sure that there would be, but maybe of these five virtues, ask the Lord, like with which one of these am I struggling the most? God is faithful, y'all. If you ask him, he will grow these virtues in you. But it's not just asking God to grow these virtues in you, right? Because these virtues, if you have them are great, but if you're not acting on them, what are they doing? We need to be people who move forward and are moved to action with that tenderness to help those in our lives. Right before Jesus died, he's sitting around a table with all of the disciples and he's telling them of a variety of different things. And he says this in John 17, verse 20. He says, My prayer's not for them alone, the disciples, the people who he's done life with, these 12 of his closest comrades. No, he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Y'all, there is a watching world all around us and they're looking at our message. What are we messaging to the world? Are we being a blessing to those around us? He's Jesus, he's praying for those who will believe in him through our lives. And he says that all of them may be one, Father, as you are in me and I am in you. May all of them also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God, have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Why? So that they may be brought to complete unity, unified in thought, then, This is awesome. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Guys, when we walk in these virtues, we bless each other and we demonstrate to the world that God is love. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for your word like Carla said, that it is living and active. We thank you, God, that you transform us from the inside out. We thank you, God, that you point out ways that we can grow, traits that we need to have to focus on who you are so that we can be a blessing and inherit a blessing. Holy Spirit, make us closer to your heart so that we love each other well So that the whole world would know that you love them. Move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on Passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit Fierce.Church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button. Take a screenshot and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.